0: Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. For all you foodies out there, I'm unwrapping
1: a McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel. Ooh, look at this steak. And the
0: juice running down the side. Got a little bit on the wrapper here. Mmm. And then the fluffy egg. And real cheese folded over the side, looking just so good. mm grilled onions and a butter bagel, too. Thumbs up for McDonald's steak, egg, and cheese bagel for breakfast. Love it. mm ba ba-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports, Mariska's in Crest Hill,
1: Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe, Rabid Brewing in Homewood, Illinois,
0: and by The Barrel Club in
1: Oak Lawn.
0: Here are your hosts, NBC Chicago's James Naveau, and 670 The Scores hockey guy, Jay Zawoski. Let's drop the puck. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago, and with me, as always, is the one and only Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the Locked On Blackhawks Podcast. Jay, we have two games to talk about, the uh, loss to the Carolina Hurricanes and the victory over the Los Angeles Kings. However... There is something else we need to discuss, and that is that the Blackhawks have made a trade today with their once-hated rival Detroit Red Wings. The Blackhawks have sent (laughs) Brendan Perlini to Detroit, and they have acquired defenseman Alec Regula. Is that how you pronounce that? Regula. Regula. Yeah. Well, they, they have acquired him. Uh, the name might sound familiar to uh, hardcore Chicago area hockey fans did play with the Chicago Steel during their Clark Cup winning season in 2017 and most recently played with the London Knights and was a teammate of Adam Boquist. Jay Zawoski, I know you know everything there is to know about junior level hockey, and so I am going to throw this to you. Tell us all about the newest member of the Blackhawks organization. All right, Alec Regula, 6'4".
1: 205 defenseman he's 19 years old like you said third round pick of the Red Wings in the 2018 NHL draft he is currently with the London Knights where he is a co-captain he has 11 points in 10 games so I reached out after this trade happened to Mike Stubbs and Jim Van Horn those are the two broadcasters for the London Knights and I asked if they would supply a bit of a scouting report on Regula and here's what they had to say this one from Mike Stubbs you could follow him at Stubbs with two B's, 980. He said he's been playing his best hockey this season. Great size, excellent hands and stick. Can be an offensive threat with an ability to deke out defenders. Good IQ. Showing a real willingness to block shots this year. Won't go out of his way to be physical, but holds his own in one on one battles. Doesn't bomb the puck from the blue line, but has a very accurate wrist shot. Is used in front of the net and in the high slot on the power play. Interesting. He would project to be a defensive defenseman in the NHL. Goes on to add that his father, Chet, was a dentist for the Red Wings, Lions, and Tigers. And uh, Oh, my. Yeah, did dental work on Basil McRae, Blackhawks legend Basil McRae, for like two oh weeks. Oh, man. And then Basil drafted Alec when he was GM of the London Knights. So it all comes full circle for Alec
0: Regula. Alec Regula, that's it's a great name, first of all, and that scouting report is really interesting, considering the fact that EliteProspects.com has him as six foot four and two hundred and five pounds. I don't look at that and think to myself, "Oh, he's probably a guy who isn't going to make a whole lot of uh, hits on guys. He's got a really good wrist shot, but not much of a slapper." It's like a completely like mind blowing scouting report for a guy that's that size. Like, I'm really. I'm kind of intrigued by that, and I'm sure the Blackhawks were as well, and that's why they ended up pulling the uh, trigger on this deal. So I guess the one the question is, it, does this surprise you, and do you think this was the right move by the Blackhawks to make?
1: Well, we know that they had been trying to move Brendan Perlini all summer and couldn't do it. They signed him into a very friendly deal. Um, however, they had to get something for him, and they, they allowed the agent, like you said, to go seek a trade, and he did. And I think getting a guy who projects as an NHL player, maybe not an elite NHL player, but definitely an NHL player, a 19-year-old with that sort of size, can you imagine a pairing of him and and, uh, Vlasic back there on the blue line in in a couple years? Uh, Vlasic, who they drafted this year, another huge defenseman um, Mm -hmm. with some skating abilities. So the Hawks are starting to notice, and I wonder how much of this is Jeremy Cowden's influence, that they're a very small organization so you've seen now Kirby Doc drafted. Is it is it Alec Vlasic too or Alex Vlasic? I'm doubting well, myself because Alec Regula, but yes, it's Alex Vlasic. They draft Doc, they draft draft Vlasic, they sign Zach Smith or they trade for Zach Smith. They've addressed their size and physicality on the NHL roster and the organization as a whole. So look, if you knew you had to move Perlini, the fact that you got a potential prospect and a kid who does project to be an NHL player from a organization in Detroit that is loaded with defensive prospects. Um, it, hopefully it works out for both teams. You know, I hope I wish Brendan Perlini the best. I got nothing against the guy, but maybe mm-hmm. this is the change of scenery he needs, and uh, maybe he'll establish his game finally in Detroit.
0: Yeah, and obviously we're not going to see him a whole lot. Of, we'll see him twice a year when the Blackhawks and Red Wings renew acquaintances. Boy, this this type of trade does not seem like it would have been made 10 years ago when these teams were still in – Uh, the same division. And now they're, you know, barely ever see each other. The rivalries lost a little bit of that zap. It seems, you know, pretty, it seems fairly uncommon, even though there have been some high profile moves between the two teams. Like it just is, it's always interesting to me when these two squads end up making a trade, like it's like you said, I think the Red Wings are dealing from a position of strength and they obviously needed a little bit of scoring depth at the NHL level the blackhawks were not using brendan perlini in that role even though they probably could have used him in some of the games that they weren't putting the puck in the net but i think that ultimately a divorce between the two sides was necessary and at least now you not only have brought in this kid who's going to have a lot of you know the size that your organization is kind of lacking but also has a little bit of a local connection as well so maybe you know pat foley will keep bringing that up during broadcasts if he's up in the next couple seasons so we have that to look forward to
1: well he grew up as a red wings fan so i don't know if chicago will ever ever truly embrace him but no it's it, it's you know I, i'm surprised it happened as quickly as it did and i'm surprised it wasn't just for you know some draft picks the trade mm.
0: well i mean teams are trading treating draft picks uh they treat them very, very carefully a lot of the time now, especially higher end picks. I would, I'd say this is probably what, like the equivalent of a third or a fourth round draft pick. He was taken number 67 overall by the Red Wings, which is a high third round pick. But yeah, it, it, it to me, I think it makes probably more sense to get a definitive asset than just a draft pick that you're not sure where it's going to end up being in the draft. So I, I'm interested to see how his game develops, and I'm interested to see if he's able to add a little bit of physicality and edge to his game that comes with being a, a guy that's the size that he is. Well, we will not have the answer about uh, Regula for a couple of years, probably. So, um, And then Brandon Perlini will score 25 goals and everybody will say Stan Bowman got fleeced. Yeah, that's tradition. That's tradition. Speaking of
1: that, um, I saw Jason Botterill, the Sabres coach, uh, mention how well Henry Okahari has been playing. And then I tweeted out, like, oh, you know, it seems like the trade's working out for both teams. And, boy, that did not go well for me. <laughs> People are still upset, regard despite how well Alex Nylander has played. People are still mad about that deal. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be mad, but, like, it's over. There's no point in, like, still dwelling on it. It's not He's not coming back. The trade was made. I don't think you or I liked it or understood it really at the time, aside from knowing that they weren't super high on him on yokoharu but the fact that they only got alex neilander back seemed like kind of weird but he's been really good so i don't know it's interesting it's just I, I just think that some people are so dug in on bowman sucks everything he does sucks and i'll never say otherwise that that's going to be part of the narrative i think it's like that with every team and every gm
0: but i think oh, sure. it's well, and I think especially when you have a team like the Blackhawks who have been struggling with uh, defense in recent years. And I think that you gave up on who you probably argue was the second top prospect in terms of blue liners in this organization. And you give him up for a guy that really hadn't found his footing in the NHL at all. And obviously seeing uh, Yokohar, you have the kind of success that he's having in Buffalo, Kind of stinks because you kind of wonder like if he could have ended up becoming something like that here. But like you said, at the same time, we're ten 10 games, excuse me, into this season. It's way too early to be drawing these broad conclusions on. Oh, Alex Nylander will never be as important to the Hawks as Henry yokohari would have been. Like it's it's too early to start doing that and to litigate the trade to that level. And yeah, it's it's still kind of irritating, I guess, in a way that they had a defensive prospect that I was fairly high on and you were fairly high on and they gave up on him seemingly too early. But by the same token, if you do have that kind of evaluation of a guy, wouldn't you rather cut bait and get something for him than to hang on to him for too long? Like, Oh, I don't know. There's some guy who wears number 56 and he just can't Hmm. seem to do anything right. Who am I thinking of? Jay, I'm drawing a blank here. Uh, Mark Burley oh (laughs) yeah screw that guy
1: the first 56 to come to mind other than eric Gustafson. by the way that, that leads us nicely into our conversation about sunday's game by the way if you want to order yourself a london knights alec uh regula jersey
0: wait a minute can you actually do this at our good friends at
1: triple threat sports i don't truly know (laughs)
0: <laughs> but probably,
1: <laughs> but there's only one way to find out. Call Chris Hubble, seven zero eight four seven eight six zero nine zero or go to TripleThreatSports.com. Look, if they can't get you a London Knights jersey, they can certainly get you an authentic Hawks jersey with the player of your choice or your name, or you can be the boner that gets the Griswold jersey, whatever whatever you're into. But hit them up, TripleThreatSports.com or Chris at TripleThreatSports.com. And don't forget, anything you need made, polos for work, jerseys for softball, Triple Threat Sports, they're your they're your people. They'll get it done. So give Chris a call. Anyway, so last night you and I have been sort of talking over the last few weeks about probably a veteran might need to sit for a while or at least a couple mm-hmm. games, and I think we maybe silently agreed that Eric Gustafson might be the guy. It was not Eric Gustafson; it was Brent Seabrook. I've had my chance to discuss this on the Locked On podcast. So James, I would like to get your take on the scratching of Brent Seabrook and how you think things worked out uh, last night uh, in the game against the Kings.
0: See, to me, I think there's plenty of uh, reasons to bench Brent Seabrook that don't have to do necessarily with performance. I think that playing three games in 72 hours and having to fly to Carolina and back during that time, I think it's, it's totally understandable you want to give him a break. I know that Brent has said he does not need rest. He doesn't feel like he needs that extra time off. Jeremy Colleton obviously disagrees and wants to kind of give some different guys a look in the lineup and kind of give uh, some different pairings, uh, you know, those critical eyes that you're going to have when you're playing in a game together. And I thought last night the defense looked really solid, even without Brent Seabrook out there. I thought I saw a lot, a, a good number of disciplined plays by the blue line instead of, you know, the chaos that we had seen in the previous games, the Carolina game, which I know you and I kind of saw it differently. And then the previous games against Philadelphia, just the, so many breakdowns, so many turnovers. It seemed like they were a little bit more disciplined on Sunday. And I'm not saying that's because Brent Seabrook wasn't out there. I just am saying that I understand Jeremy Colliton's stance on giving him a rest or whatever it was. If it's a one-time thing, the thing that I'm curious about is, is he didn't commit to putting Brent Seabrook back in the lineup tomorrow night. He did not say, oh, yeah, it's a one-time thing. He did, he kind of dodged that question, didn't he? Yes. Today, after practice, uh,
1: Monday, by the way, we're recording this. After practice, he did. He It was like a one-word answer or a, a few-word answer. Where he said, yeah, we'll, we'll decide on Tuesday. Um, not committal about bringing Brent Seabrook back in the lineup. And I'm I'm interested in this. You didn't mention this angle of it, and this is the first thing I thought of. This is sort of a message, and Eddie Olchek said it it, during the broadcast as well. Benching Brent Seabrook means something to the core of this team. Brent Seabrook, we've talked about this for years. Jonathan Taves is the captain. Brent Seabrook is the leader. He's Mm -hmm. the guy who is the vocal one in the locker room. He's the one getting guys fired up for games on the ice. He's like a a coach on the ice, even though the game – has started to slip away from him a little bit. His intelligence of the game has not. Benching Seabrook sends a little bit of a message for me. And I think the guys, like, I don't think he's ever going to scratch Taves or Kane. But I think those guys see that and get the message of like, all right, Jeremy's not messing around. And he's not going to let experience or accomplishment from four years ago dictate whether or not I'm going to play or not. I think that was the biggest part, for me anyway, of Jeremy Counten sitting Brent Seabrook. And I think if he sits again tomorrow night, all that does is reinforce that message. Mm -hmm. I think if Seabrook does play against Nashville on Tuesday, it sort of weakens that message a little bit. I don't make a single change to the lineup. That includes Robin Leonard, by the way, who is...
0: Oh, yeah, we're definitely going to talk about
1: him, for sure. Yeah, that's my guy until he's not, right? Until he Mm -hmm. proves that he's not one of the elite goalies in hockey, which is what he's playing like. We'll give you a number in a little bit. Mario Tiribasi from the rink and from Stadium Sports had really good rankings for both Blackhawks goalies. I don't change a damn thing against Nashville.
0: Yeah, there's obviously several things that Jeremy Colleton did going into that game Sunday night that ended up paying dividends, and that did include the scratch of Brent Seabrook. I think that I'm probably going with my mindset that i had initially when everybody was flipping out about it saying how dare jeremy colladen he comes in here hasn't even been here a year and thinks he's you know head honcho and it's just kind of like to me he is head honcho yes that's what his he's job head honcho. is yes like I don't understand this whole idea that he has to earn the right to bench Brent Seabrook. That's complete malarkey. Like yeah. that is not how this works. Well, he earned Brent that right Seabrook when he was named not head, coach. The head coach of the Blackhawks. Right. Jeremy Colleton is.
1: Yeah. Colleton earned that right when he was named coach of the team. That's
0: it. Yeah. Like it's just absurd to me Like that was like some of the argument that was going on in the Blackhawks fan base. And it's like, uh, that's not how this works. Like, yes, you do have to earn the players respect. That's one thing. But to say that he can't make a move like that because he hasn't earned the right to make that kind of a statement, you're damn right he has. He signed a contract to be the head coach of this team. He's earned that right. That's up to the players, obviously, whether they want to go with that or not. But at the end of the day, Jeremy Colladin can do whatever he wants with that lineup, even if it involves benching Jonathan Taves, which I don't think he would do for the record. But I, I think that. I guess the way I had looked at it a little bit more cautiously I guess than him sending a message because I think that sometimes the intent I think we can kind of assign intent when we really are just kind of looking at it from the outside and we're not like in the room day after day and I'm not saying that you're wrong by the way I didn't, I'm know, just I was I'm saying I just took a little bit more of a cautious approach to it I think when Eddie Olchek sort of he didn't say it is as, as
1: strongly as I'm saying it but the fact that he alluded to that a little bit That sort of planted the seed for me. I was like, all right, you know, Seabrook, he's struggling. Maybe a night in the press box would look good. But when Eddie Olchek says stuff, he's not just saying stuff. Eddie O knows. Eddie O knows what's going on down there. So um, that gave it some credence to me. And when I really started thinking about it, it made sense. By the way, you said Cowton has to earn the respect of the players. The way you earn respect is by coaching them like a real-ass coach. If Jeremy Mm -hmm. Cowton went in there last year... Or continued this year to be like, oh, do you think it's okay if I bench this guy? Do you think they'll be (laughs) mad? No, screw that. You're the coach. Act like a coach. From day one, he should go put his nuts on the table and say, this is my team. This is my system. If you like it, great. If you don't, I don't care. I'm the head coach. Do what I say. He Mm. should have as much authority as Joel Quenville because it's the same job title. and. I've been on this rant all year. These guys are professionals. And mm. yeah, you know what? Sometimes things don't, don't go the way you want. And sometimes, you know, your favorite coach is not your coach anymore. But deal with it. Move on. Grow up and play hard. That's I mean, it's not complicated. And if, I, al- if-
0: I also don't think that Jeremy Colliden did this unilaterally without discussing it with at least Brent or with uh, other kind of leaders of the team. I think that this is something that just because you don't like it doesn't mean that he won't do it. But I do, I think there is something to the notion that you do, you don't want to just like, you know, send down this decree from on high. You want to explain this to him and whether or not, you know, we get that explanation is completely irrelevant as long as the players in the room get it. And frankly, the way that they played last night, I think that, Jeremy Collison probably did do something like that because they sure as heck didn't seem like a team that was angry about the decisions that he made.
1: No, but they played hard. I think I'm not saying the response was um, to the benching at all, but you saw a more committed effort, uh, especially in the neutral and defensive zones last night. And look, we'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't acknowledge that the Kings kind of suck. <laughs> and that was a yeah, big part of it too. That's not
0: exactly a breaking story that they're not a good hockey team. No,
1: but aside from the game against Philly, we've seen the Hawks put together some pretty solid efforts against some really good teams. Uh yes, they came up short, but I really think a big part of Sunday's win is they got some puck luck. They got some guys off the schneid. They were rewarded for their hard work, and I think that for at least for the next handful of games is going to make a difference. Oh, they'll get pasted. Tuesday night they lose seven to one all that's out the window, mm-hmm. but hopefully they can turn this into a nice little roll of good good plays in the game. And look, Nashville's really tough, but they've got you know the Kings again. It's not, it's not a really difficult road trip they're going to be on theoretically. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, the team is probably looking at them coming in or saying, well, that's not a tough game, but they can <laughs> they can make some hay here if they you know even if they don't beat Nashville having a good performance, and then coming home with a winning road trip, that's baby steps in the right direction. And they don't have a ton of time to correct these things, but um, you got to start somewhere, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, I think last night's game against the Kings was a good
0: place to start. We've been talking for a good solid 20 minutes now, and I know we're going to be heading into our first uh, break here, but there's something that we literally have not mentioned yet. And that's the reunion of Alex Dabrinkit and Dylan Strome. Yeah, and we talked about this at length on our last podcast. And frankly, Jay, maybe we take a little bit of a victory lap. Maybe we eat some crow. I don't know. I think the listeners are kind of interested to hear what we're going to have to say about that. Uh, well, look, you're trying to get these guys going and you need them to get going. And w- we just
1: talked about the importance of picking up points here as we go. And you you may have to put on the back burner. The I don't want to th- – development's the wrong word, but the testing of Dylan Strome, right? You'd like to find out before you sign him to a big deal if he's capable of playing with anyone not number 12, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you've lost these games against Vegas, against Washington, where you probably should have come away with points. You need to start picking up points, and the best way to do that and the best way to get the best out of both those guys is to put them together. And they responded with six combined points, a combined plus six. I think they had eight shot attempts, uh, mm-hmm. two goals for Strom and an assist, an assist and two, ass- and, and I'm sorry, and a goal and two assists for to They were clicking last night like it was old times. And if that's the best way to get your team going, so be it, because there's not much really, you can't really wait much longer to get right. them going.
0: And I mean, we can talk obviously at length about just how, you know, both of those guys look completely locked in last night and they were making some incredible plays. Both of them De Brinkett's passing last night was probably the best we've seen it all season. Dylan Strome had some great finish on both of his goals. I thought that he, you know, sh- timed the shots perfectly. They both looked really good in beating Jack Campbell. And I was really impressed with both of their play last night. I did want to mention, however, I did like Ryan Carpenter skating between the two of them. I thought that was a very interesting choice by Jeremy Colleton, and I ended up really liking that line. It seemed like they had plenty of space out there, and I know Ryan Carpenter, rightfully so, has a, a reputation as more of a defense-first type center, but it really did not seem like DeBrynkit and Strom were struggling to find open areas to the ice last night. So I really did like the decision to have him skating between the two of them. It just it looked like a line, that has the potential to click at least for a few games and I really hope that Jeremy Colleton continues to uh, ride it. I think Carpenter is I think he's more offensively skilled than he gets credit for.
1: Um that he... usually
0: happens with defensive minded forwards I think. They they tend to kind of sneak out and like get score goals occasionally and they can create room. It's because you know they're not going to make mistakes in getting back and so you kind of have to respect that about them you're not you can attack them but they can just take the puck back from you yeah I you know I, I I like
1: the way things are right now the lines all make sense I think that you've got nice combinations of skill and grit on each line the only little thing I would change and I think it's just me selfishly wanting to see more from Doc at least production wise I would put I would flip Kubelik and Shaw that would be like the one thing I would re- maybe consider changing. But aside from that, when I saw them on paper, I was like, Ew, that kind of like, they looked weird. Like before mm-hmm. the game, did you have the same feeling? And then as you saw them working, it was like, oh, okay. I I sort of see what's going on here. You've got like the jam guy, the skill guy, and the big guy on each line. And it, and it I thought it worked out really well. So
0: yeah, it was really from the first shift. You noticed the, the carpenter, uh, brand Kit and stromline. I thought you really did notice that it was it was clicking. You could definitely tell that those three guys, they kind of like you said, the skill sets kind of complemented one another. And yeah, that that was the case, I think, with several other lines. And I still just every time he gets out on the ice, I've been impressed with Kirby Doc. That is. That's a decision I don't envy them having to make. But I think at this point, if you're looking at his performance so far, it's going to be really hard for them not to keep him beyond nine games.
1: Well, why don't we do this? Let's take a break. When we come back, we will talk about Kirby Doc. We'll talk about Robin Leonard. But first, we want to tell you about our friends at the Barrel Club. Our newest sponsor, 4910 West 111th Street and Oak Lawn, BarrelClubIllinois.com. Stop by and try the NHL flight. It's the Guy Lafleur Canadian Whiskey. The Belfour Whiskey, aged in pecan wood, him and his son make that in Texas together. It's not just slapping his name on a bottle. Eddie Belfour actually makes the whiskey, and then the 99 brand Gretzky Ice Cask Whiskey. Try the NHL flight at Barrel Club Illinois. Join their Spirit of the Month Club at BarrelClubIllinois.com. But the food there is phenomenal. Steak, salad, high-end, nice dinner, you want to go somewhere to celebrate you've got something to celebrate like my wife does she was just named a potential delegate for the dnc coming up for the next election which is super exciting barrel club is the place to go to celebrate check them out barrel club illinois.com 49 west 111th street we'll be right back with our thoughts on robin Leonard, kirby doc and a whole lot more on the madhouse chicago hockey podcast
0: with metro by t-mobile your hard-earned money goes further
1: Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski here in Homewood. James Navo down in Bourbon A. By the way, what was I watching? I saw, is there a hockey player named Yannickie? Like the place in Bourbon A, the hot dog place?
0: Oh, man, it just uh, closed for the, the fall. You're really hurting my feelings right now. Yep. I actually do not know that answer. All right, I'm going to look it up now. Oh, I have seen, hold on. Ty Yannicke is apparently on the Elite Prospects website, is listed as a Davenport University hockey player. Okay. So now we have Riley Bourbonet and we have Tyler Yannick. <laughs>
1: that's a perfect that's a perfect matchup. We gotta get them on the same team, however we do it. All right. Anyway, that has nothing to do with Chucks, Southern Comforts Cafe, where you should go and try the Mexican, the Cajun, the bar food, the beer everything there is phenomenal last time we talked we talked about the cobbler today i'm going to tell you about the cochinita pibil the saturday special my deathbed meal it is marinated pork shoulder served with pickled onions and an orange habanero sauce oh my god cochinita pibil check out the madhouse pod instagram and you will see a photo of the cochinita pibil at chucks you will love it that's the saturday special if you're going to chucks for the first time Make it a Saturday so you can try that. Coach, you need up a bill, but guess what? It's fall. It's going to be cold as balls this week. Get the jambalaya; it will warm your soul. Chuck'sCafe.com, Burbank, Darien. Do it before the break, James. You tease some conversation about Kirby Doc. The floor is yours, my friend. I will bask in your Kirby Doc. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Glow. Your Kirby mm. Doc glow. Your your analysis. I'm going to let it wash <laughs> right over me.
0: Well, I think like, okay, so when they drafted Kirby Doc and we were watching some of the video of him in the uh, WHL, I think the things that stood out most to us were the fact that he was so strong on the puck that it was really hard, even along the boards, to get him off of it. And we kind of chalk that up to, well, look, these are young guys. It's really hard when you've got a guy who's like more physically mature than everyone else. Like that was just kind of something that we assumed he'd have to kind of adjust to in the NHL. The fact of the matter is every time I've basically seen Kirby doc along the boards and he has to turn his back to a guy to protect the puck. He not only is keeping it, he's then getting away with it. And I think that one of the reporters brought up, I believe it was after Saturday's game or may have been Sunday's game. One of the reporters asked Jeremy Colleton about Kirby doc skating And Collinson said, I'm really surprised no one's asked me about that yet. He's been really impressed with the way that Kirby Dock has been able to move around the ice. And I know that we have some concerns probably about his speed, but he definitely has probably been a better skater than I thought he was going to be at this stage in his career. And he's obviously going to have to do a lot of development in that area. Mm -hmm. But when you have that strength on the puck and that ability to skate, coupled with how well he works in very confined spaces, I've really, I've been super impressed with the way that Kirby Doc has acquitted himself in these first few games. And like I said before the break, I, I before I was kind of thinking they were probably going to end up looking for a reason to send him back to the WHL, not because he isn't ready, but just because they want to kind of slow play his development at least a little bit. They don't want to go too nuts too fast with him. But the way that he's been playing, it's going to be really hard for them to make any sort of justification to send him back down to the WHL because it just seems like he's going to end up developing better and quicker at the NHL level than he's going to be if they end up sending him back to the WHL level. And so I've been really, I guess it's just a long winded way of saying that I've been very impressed with what I've seen from Kirby doc. And he honestly has been better than I thought he was going to be in these first four games. Well, and see
1: that, that was sort of the fear is, will there be a moment where we see him floundering at this level where you're like okay we knew we were going to see flashes right we knew there'd be like a couple like wow moments from kirby doc and there have been there have been a bunch of them but there hasn't been that moment where you're like oh boy yeah he's gonna have to learn to get better at that right you're right i think and i've said this since before he started playing and so did you what's he gonna learn going to saskatoon and just skating circles around people that's not helping him and let's be realistic if you got Stan Bowman over some, I'm not going to say beer, he's probably like a wine guy. If you got Stan Bowman over some a box of wine, he'd probably tell you, look, we know we're not Stanley Cup contenders this year, right? But the way to develop Kirby Doc is here at the NHL level. And you mentioned his skating. Cowden mentioned that today. And he said he wants to see him skate harder without the puck. Because I feel like every time we see Doc with a burst of speed, it's when he has the puck. What Collin said was, If he skates hard, and it wasn't a criticism, it was an observation, just to be clear. He said when he skates hard with the puck, or without the puck, he gets the puck back faster. And he Mm. seems to always win it from people because he's got the size advantage, right? So when he attacks defensively with his speed, as opposed to, again, he's not, not calling him lazy, but I think there's a, I think prospects probably tend to play it safe. And they don't want to, you know, if you're too aggressive defensively, there's a chance you get burned. And maybe we're seeing that from Kirby Doc a little bit now. Cowan wants him to be more aggressive defensively and attack the puck with speed. And mm-hmm. he said, like, when he does that, he's going to get it back most of the time. So right. that's that's something to look for over the next few games. But, dude, you said it. There's nothing I've seen from him that tells me that he can't fit and finish the season here.
0: There's nothing. Right. I, I definitely would agree with that. I will... I want to ask you like a question about Doc, and then I kind of want to pose a potential um, idea that I have. And so I'm kind of I'm interested to hear what you say about this. Do you think that part of his success is that they've kind of more slowly brought him into the fold, and they're not putting too much uh, additional stuff on him like power play time or top six like minutes, like that level of minutes? Do you think that's part of the reason that he's been pretty successful and hasn't had a whole lot of big like whoopsie type moments it could be
1: it could be that they're protecting him a little bit um he put his ice time last night I think it was ten twenty, which was a team low but like you said he gets no special teams time um yeah I'm sure there's probably some logic to that and they want to protect him they want to put him in good matchups which is sensible you don't mm-hmm. want to go put him out there against Anze Kopitar and get owned that doesn't help him at all right <laughs> eventually he's going to draw those matchups and eventually he's going to find himself on ice with guys like that and this road trip by say
0: especially on the road yeah, yeah
1: where the hawks will not be able to dictate matchups maybe this is when we're going to see those moments where we say oh boy you know that's got to get better for kirby doc um but yeah I, th- I think there's there's probably some sense and some logic in that um and i don't i, don't, I truly don't have a problem with it th- th- those will come and you can bring him along slowly and at the nhl level and just look at what's happened with alex nylander he started game one scoring the first goal of the season but playing what i think he played under 10 minutes in the first game Mm -hmm. then second game against san jose he was bad he's benched against the jets and then ever since he's been inserted back in the lineup he's gotten better every game and his ice time's gone up every game and now over the last what two or three he's been in a second power play unit so they're ramping up Alex Nylander who's got more NHL time than Doc obviously who's a little bit older than Doc so it takes time and these guys they do have to earn it and I think Doc is doing the things he needs to do to earn it but it's an eventual process and if Nylander's trajectory is is something to compare then you know I, I think that that's fair and it's somewhat reasonable so I do think As the season goes on, and I would think sooner than later, you'll see his minutes go up. And I think you will see him get some special teams time.
0: That leads me directly into my next uh, thought, which is, would you like, even if it's in limited kind of doses and even if they want to wait until they're back at home to do this, I think Kirby Doc should get a little bit of a look on the penalty kill Hmm. based solely on the fact that the Blackhawks penalty kill has been so Flipping bad this season. And I feel like his physical skills, the fact that he has such a long reach when he has the stick in his hand, he can really like throw it into passing lanes and disrupt that type of stuff. And even if they score a goal, who cares? Like the Blackhawks have been given him up by the dozens, it seems like, anyway, on the penalty kill. (laughs) I, I would like to see Kirby Doc when they finally start to ease him in to special teams i kind of want to see what he can do on the penalty kill first what do you think of that i want to see kirby doc do everything i'd watch the kid i I know eventually (laughs) i just meant like when they first do it i i know like the the popular thing will be yeah put him on the power play stick him in front of the net like that's totally fine i'm kind of curious to see if he can help with that penalty kill though
1: that's i'm interested in that too and i wonder like we were just discussing the fact that he'll not be able to cherry pick the the matchups on the road I wonder if that will be sort of the first test like how does he handle it when he's stuck out there against some elite competition you know like tomorrow night he's going to be out there probably against Ryan Johansson or Matt Duchesne or whoever um, it's going to be interesting to see how he handles playing against better players um, and maybe that will be an indicator of whether or not he's ready to penalty kill look I think you've got a center that's six five and pretty strong I don't think there's much he can't do Mm -hmm. I just maybe the concern would be okay you're already sort of inundating him with information about playing at even strength do you want to add this on right now maybe not right now but I think in a week or two weeks or in a month looking at Kirby Doc on the penalty kill makes a hell of a lot of sense absolutely.
0: See, you took away my enthusiasm to call up Adam Boquist right away. (laughs) And now you're wanting me to kind of slow play my Kirby Doc enthusiasm and throwing him out on the penalty kill, too. I didn't realize you were such a buzzkill, Jay. Everyone says that about me. Mr. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Negative,
1: always looking at the always looking on the downside of things, never, uh, you know, never being positive or optimistic. That's me.
0: You know what? I'm really glad that you didn't bring up the confidence aspect of it, because I think that that can maybe be a little bit overplayed. I think if you're not confident and you were the third overall pick in the NHL draft in June, like I think that (laughs) might be a problem if you have a confidence issue and you were that high of a pick. I feel like right now he should be flying on cloud nine. Like, I think that. Anything that happens to him is just kind of like, meh, it happens. Like, yeah, you want to learn from it, but you also don't want to be completely discouraged by it if you fall flat on your face occasionally.
1: Yeah, I, I don't think he lacks for confidence, and, and I don't say that as a, uh, oh, look at how cocky this kid is. Not at all. I mean, he carries himself with a uh, maturity beyond his years. Uh, you could tell he's smart. He's respectful. He's in, look, that stuff is all typically coded but what I'm saying is he very much reminds me of when Jonathan Taze was drafted like he did not come off as a kid Kirby Doc looks like a kid but he doesn't sound like a kid and doesn't act like a kid and I think that is part of his confidence like look I, I know I'm good and there's no shame in knowing I'm good I know what I do well I know what I need work on and uh yeah I, I don't think you have to worry about wrecking his confidence in any way and I'm not trying to damper your enthusiasm I'm just trying to think like what is the best like why would they not do that right away right mm. and, and i don't mean right away but like within the next few days few weeks whatever they're being i think they need to be cautious with him things are going well so far there's no need to push it yet right um but i love the idea i might actually you've sort of swayed me i would i think i'd rather see him on a penalty kill first
0: just see, to see there how you it go. Looks. i think that I think there's an element of production that ends up on the power play that if you aren't producing, if you aren't putting up points, that you're not doing it right. Right. I think on the penalty kill, yeah, you obviously can keep goals off the scoreboard, but I also know the Blackhawks don't exactly have the stoutest of penalty kills, and so I feel like that might be a little bit of a lower-pressure environment, if that makes any sense, because even if you allow a goal occasionally, like you said, you are facing off against that really good, quality competition and so i still i stand by what i what i uh postulated here i think that playing him shorthanded to start with not it doesn't necessarily have to be against nashville i'm just saying like that as we progress here i think that that if i were jeremy colleton if you put me into his spectacles i think that probably would be what i would do
1: well if you were in his spectacles
0: you'd be a very handsome man well that uh, boy howdy <laughs> wouldn't i be he is he's dreamy isn't he Nah, you know what? If only he had the coaching skill to back it up. I'm kidding. Wow, there it I'm is. I'm so kidding. Hope's gonna come <laughs> there and slap you. Oh boy! Well, I don't want that. She hasn't messaged me in a while. I feel bad. she, I, like she used to like randomly like comment on my stuff and yell at me. It's sad now. Yeah,
1: she doesn't like you. She blocked you.
0: I knew it. <laughs> You know, it's it's OK. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll deal with it in my own quiet way, which means I'll go cry about it somewhere.
1: You can go drink your sorrows away at Rabbit Brewing. That's
0: a great idea. You know what? I might go do that.
1: Yeah. Go visit our friends in Homewood. Have you not been there yet? What's wrong with you? I'm going to suspend your. Yeah, you and your car there who's not been to Rabbit yet. I'm going to block you from the podcast. No, I'm not. I can't do that. That's not technically possible.
0: That would be really cool if it was, though.
1: But you should go to Rabbit Brewing. And you should go there and try their amazing beer. On Halloween, they're having a costume party and weirdo show, which is, I mean, kind of everyday at Rabbit's kind of a weirdo show, and that's why we love them. But go there (laughs) on Halloween, hot dog, hot dog's half off. It's not a food item. It's a band, really entertaining, and Fisters. that's also a band. Don't get concerned. Uh, The address of Rabbit Brewing is 17759 Bretts Drive, B-R-E-T-Z. They're right behind the Home Depot on Halstead there just a block east of that Home Depot. So go visit our friends at Rabid Brewing. The time has come for you to drink mythological-level craft ales. Go visit the Southland legend Rabbit Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. All right, James, we've waited exactly 40 minutes, which is appropriate because we're about to talk about number 40, Robin Leonard. What a performance last night. What a season so far. And I'm going to bring this uh, tweet up from Mario Tirabasi. Uh, he works for The Rink and writes and works for stadium sports as well he posted this stat this morning and uh, I really loved it and I'm definitely stalling for time as I find it okay there it is 39 NHL goalies have made at least five starts this season Robin Leonard ranks second of those 39 with a 0.935 save percentage and ranks fourth among those 39 with a 2.15 goals against average Corey Crawford ranks 31st of 39 with a .888 save percentage and 37th of 39 with a 3.67 goals against average. Now, I know we can make all kinds of excuses for Corey Crawford about he was screened or was redirected or the penalty kill sucks and all those things. That's true. However, all these things are also true when Robin Leonard's in net. He deals with screens he deals with tip shots, he's the better goalie, he should be the starter, that's it. It's it's very simple for me. Right now, Robin Leonard is better than Corey Crawford. Robin Leonard should play more than Corey Crawford should. Is this controversial somehow?
0: I, I know that we had talked before the season started that we kind of thought that they would play the guys, kind of alternate starts, and then whichever one of them got hot would probably end up getting the net the majority of the time. And... I am willing to say, after the last couple of performances by Robin Leonard, he's hot enough to have the net until he loses it. Like I, I love Corey Crawford. He's done some incredible things for this organization and this team. And without him, they don't win the cups in 2013 and 2015. They maybe win one of them, but definitely not both. I, I think that the whole point of bringing in Robin Leonard was to challenge Corey Crawford and to potentially audition his replacement. And I think what Robin Leonard is doing right now is proving why he was a finalist for the Vesna and why the Blackhawks gave him five plus million dollars for the season to come here. I think that he's been outstanding and I don't see any I don't see any coherent argument right now why Corey Crawford should, you know, get a start unless it's like a back to back or something like that. I think Robin has definitely earned the net. Look, if you want to do, you know, I don't know, 3 out of 5 probably isn't enough, but like
1: 5 out of 7 or something like that for Leonard, look, we just talked about this with Brent Seabrook. Just because you've been here before and you were great before doesn't mean you are entitled to remaining in the net or remaining on the ice. The best players need to play. And right now, there's no doubt that Robin Leonard is the best goalie. And... As you were talking, my mind was sort of racing like what would be the effect if the Hawks like extended Robin Leonard mid-season. Oof. Like would that set like would Crawford be pissed? I have no indication that he's like a bad guy or a bad teammate or anything. I wonder how that would sit with Corey Crawford cuz they would
0: pretty much be announcing the fact that Leonard had won the job. I don't I doubt that would happen. But... I really don't think that they're going to announce any type of extension during the season. I don't think that they They want to open up that. I think they would probably view that as some type of a slap in the face to Crawford based on what he has done for the team. And I I understand completely what you're saying about the, the fact is, like, you have to go with the players that they are now. Right. Like that absolutely does have to dictate your on ice decisions, but I also say that an off ice decision, like a contract extension, like that, I think you do try to handle in a way that is respectful to the legacy that Corey Crawford has put together in Chicago.
1: The only fear that I have, and I agree with you, I do think that that would be a bit of a slap in the face. Um, even even I, the optimist, would see that. Um, my only fear is if Leonard, and it would be great if he did, but if Leonard has another season like he had last season, he might price himself out
0: of the Blackhawks. You really think? I don't know if he would. Like, I get like the bonuses and the Dylan Strome contract, and obviously the increased salary for Alex DeBrinkett. I realize that those are going to have some cap implications. But you are losing six million dollars off your cap when Corey Crawford leaves. That at least has to cushion that blow somewhat. Do you think he's going to get more than like say seven or eight million bucks to go somewhere else? I don't know. I it's just so hard to tell. And like I haven't really,
1: obviously it's October. I haven't really looked ahead to the free agent class coming up this summer. But if he's one of the premier free agents, you see people get really stupid in free agency, especially when it's unrestricted guys. Uh, that are coming off really good seasons and are still, like, in their prime. And Robin Leonard is definitely in those prime years. I could see a team's being, like, 8 million,
0: 9 million. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's a fair value. I still think the Blackhawks could potentially uh, match that. By the way, want to point out, Braden Holtby will mm-hmm. be a free agent after this season. How old is Braden Holtby? I know you probably look it up. Braden Holtby have... is 31.
1: See, that's that's the thing, like... I don't know, and he is. I think he'll, he'll be, aside from like Carey Price, is up there as one of the best goalies in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, but Leonard's twenty eight. It's not a huge difference. It's a three year difference, but three years is a contract, you know. So it's. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it'll be interesting. I I, I look. I, I know. Again, it's October twenty eighth, and I'm probably jumping the gun here, but I want I want Leonard back. Just
0: a little bit, yeah.
1: Yeah, I I just want him back. I don't want them to miss out because I I hope that they're. Tacked during their free agent interview with him pays off a little bit and they're rewarded for that because he spoke very highly of the way the Blackhawks talked to him about the contract and when they were negotiating the deal mm-hmm. they laid off the mental health stuff they were respectful about it they understood it they did not harangue him about it they trusted him to to be the man he says he is and that went a, a long way with Robin Leonard. He said it made the difference in him signing here. So hopefully, you know, at the end of this season, when it comes up again, he'll remember that and it will it'll help the Blackhawks bring him back if, if indeed they do intend to do that.
0: Yeah, I mean, you looking at the free agent list, aside from Holtby, it's basically Jacob Markstrom will be a free agent with the Canucks. He's making $3.6 million this season, 30 years old, so he's only a year older than robin lenner but a lot of these guys are getting up there in age like your brian elliott's and your craig anderson's your anton kodobin's uh jimmy howard is going to be a free age by the way did you realize jimmy howard is 36 yes that feels I correct did not know that
1: <laughs> i feel like he's been in hockey i mean God. was jimmy howard
0: correct me if i'm wrong jimmy howard replaced osgood right I believe that is correct, but God, that still makes me feel old. Am I, like missing 36.
1: Someone, am I missing someone in that lineage of goalies for the Red Wings? I really don't think you
0: are. <sighs> yeah, he's been around for oh, a man. long time, man. Uh, Ryan Miller, by the way, also going to be a free agent. He is 40 years old. Right, let's sign him up. He has a 2.1 goals against and a 9-3-0 save percentage this year for Anaheim. He's a good goalie. He's not bad no, for 40. That's not bad. You know, what else He takes not... really good care of himself. I'm not bad for 40 either, even though I'm 41.
1: You're a really attractive 41-year-old, Jay. Thank you. It's about time someone said it, damn it. <laughs> All right, let's wrap this bad boy up. First, got to tell you about our friends at Mariska's and Crest Hill, 604 Theodore Street. Family-owned and operated since 1933. They are a day one, maybe like a day four sponsor to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast, so we love them for their continued support go there try the poor boy it is what they're famous for they have put poor boys on the map uh in this area um go to go to crest hill man check it out mariska's is a place you will regret not trying sooner you'll go there you'll be like you know i've heard of this place for years why did i wait it was a huge mistake i'm so glad i finally went everyone that goes there raves about it we get a twitter or facebook comment every week from one of our listeners that tried Marishkas for the first time, and they are always knocked out. You will be too. 604 Theater Street in Crest Hill, Marishkas.com or Facebook.com slash Marishkas. Want to thank our other sponsors, Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Rabbid Brewing, the time has come for you to drink mythological level craft ales. Visit the Southland legend, Rabbid Brewing in Homewood, Illinois. The Barrel Club in Oaklawn, 4910 West 111th Street. Go to barrelclubillinois.com to join their Spirit of the Month club. And of course, Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit Chuck'sCafe.com. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Make sure you rate and review. And if you haven't subscribed for some reason, subscribe and tell a friend. Telling friends is the best thing you can do to support any podcast. So we appreciate it. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for listening. James, would you like to add anything to the end of the podcast? here?
0: No, I think you pretty much uh, nailed it on the head with the tell your friends thing. I, uh, I don't know if we've really uh, done that recently, but definitely ask your friends, you know, if, especially if they're into the Blackhawks. Like we, you know, we try to cater to as many different types of Blackhawks fans, whether you're a hardcore fan, have been for decades or whether you're still getting uh, used to the game of hockey and you're just looking for a way to kind of learn more about it. I feel like we do a pretty good job of catering to all fans. So yeah, feel free to tell all your Blackhawks loving friends. And you know what? If they're not around and their phones are unlocked, just subscribe them. They'll never know the difference. (laughs) Yeah,
1: that's a great idea. James, thanks for joining me tonight. We will talk to you guys later in the week on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Hey, we haven't even pulled away from the drive-thru, and you're already digging in the McDonald's bag. (laughs) Aw,
0: babe, just a few.
1: (laughs) All right. I guess I can't blame you. Pass me some, too.
0: (laughs) The smells too good to get it all the way home meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's.
1: And now your favorite spicy chicken McNuggets are back. Get a six-piece spicy or classic for just 2 bucks. only at McDonald's. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal.